Brian Parker here uh, with another video. Uh, I want to supplement a video I did, or actually a number of videos I did previously on debt validation, cease and desist letters, impermissible purpose letters, uh, dispute letters, and a little uh, surprise guest of a letter uh, regarding ID theft. So let's get down to it. The key is to do more than you are required to do, not less. Less is not more, more is more. So if you're being asked to supply certain documents, add other stuff to minimally the maximum. Does that make any sense? Just add more stuff. Belt and suspenders is a common theme of a lot of my uh, notice videos where you're supplying notice to somebody that you need them, it's a call of action, give them more than you need to. It's safer that way because they'll find any way to reject you uh, when it gets to getting close to the truth. So we're going to look at um, uh, first the classification of dispute letters. There are three kinds. There's the credit dispute letters where you're asking uh, the CRA or the credit reporting agency to reinvestigate, you're disputing something in your credit. There's an ID theft dispute letter, which that's the new little thing I want to introduce you to. And the impermissible purpose letter, which is uh, you're just saying, why are you contacting my credit? The difference between the first two and the impermissible purpose letter, uh, the impermissible purpose letter does not require you to actually send it to anybody. I do, uh, you may, uh, it is a way to add credibility to any lawsuit that you may have to file down the road. The credit report dispute letters are letters to the credit reporting agency. Before the changes back, I'm going to say to you in the 2000s, early 2000s, you had to dispute with the furnisher through the credit reporting agencies. Equifax, Experian, TransUnion. The law was changed, so now they have separate dispute letters. I add everything together as long as it doesn't affect or change their duty to respond to you. But you, whoever you're sending that letter to, again, belt and suspenders, send more. So if you're a furnisher's putting something in your credit they shouldn't be, or putting a 30-day when you know you're not late, you write to the credit reporting agencies, the CRAs, and the furnisher of the credit, all in one letter, and you'll see I've attached gobs of letters for you to use if you want. Uh, there's no legal advice here, and there never is, but these are a package of letters that are really good and can bear you tremendous fruit and defense and a, kind of a get-out-of-a-civil-jail uh, situation, depending on what the situation is, but you want to, with your letters, send a copy of your credit report, a recent one, and circle the actual debt you want investigated, a copy of your ID, a police report if it's ID theft related. If there's any reason to get a police report, get it and supply it, and then an option, my belt and suspenders notification, is an affidavit. This is on my credit report. They're claiming it's mine or it is mine and it's 30 days late when I'm not, when I'm very clear I wasn't late. Here's a proof. Here's you signing for the 
um, payment I made. It was under 30 days. Please remove. Um, the whole purpose of a dispute letter is to impact or affect or lower, excuse me, increase your FICO score. Um, a FICO score is really just a small number that is placed on your credit ability, meaning if you're a good credit risk, it's in the six, seven, eight hundreds, depending on how good a risk you are. Lower than that, lower than that, the number reflects that you're a less than great or good or average credit risk. But that number is everything. And that's our society, really. You know, how was the movie? It was eight out of ten. It's, there's no explanation here. Well, that's how credit FICO scores are. And I'm going to give you a down and dirty tip real quick. When you send a dispute letter in on a specific debt, that means you dispute it. They've got 30 days or even an extra five days if they ask for it to respond, to fix, to do nothing, to confirm, or to delete. So until that dispute is recognized and handled, whatever that negative debt is or thing that you want to remove or improve should not be part of the big pool of debts that produce your FICO score because you are disputing. If you looked on your credit report, you see customer disputes. So if there's something bad in your credit report, and you go, oh, God, it's going to take 30 days to get this removed. I'm trying to get refinanced. Technically and legally, the down and dirty tip here is once you send and they sign for your dispute, they cannot use a disputed uh, debt in the big pool that produces that number. So maybe you go from a 7 out of 10 to an 8 out of 10 credit risk because they're not allowed. It's in dispute. And until it's investigated, it can't be, what if you're 100% right? So that's a down and dirty tip if you're facing refinancing and you know this thing is not yours or there's a question there or you need to reinvestigate it. That should come off the explanation. So I would send that letter out, keep a copy, supply your mortgage broker or car dealer, whoever it is, and say, hey, the makeup of that FICO score is not real. Here's a new one. Here's why. You know, belt and suspenders. But remember, as I'm going to give you the advice for all of these letters, register by mail, keep a paper trail. Make sure it's sent certified, return receipt requested, somebody signs for it, so you've got the proof. Send with police reports and IDs, and if you see my letters, they all say, attach C, ID, circle debt on a letter, on a credit report. Here's this thing, here's an affidavit. The more you supply them, at a minimum, the greater chance they're not going to reject you and reject your dispute. Now, here's a little tip for, unfortunately, my ID theft clients and anybody else out there. Under 15 U.S.C. 1692 G.E., are you expected to remember that? No, but I will, I'm looking at my show notes around my camera. I always supply my show notes, so you will see that reference. And what that is, is a special section for people that are the victim of ID theft, and you send directly to the business, and under the law, they have to send you all the information that produce the debt you're disputing, meaning... If someone's stolen your ID and now they're pretending to be you, there's a credit application that went to, the, to buy the car. There's other information. There's collection information, but there's 
a participation of the bad guys, he has to have signed some things. Well, the business has to keep those things. And under the FCRA, the Fair Credit Reporting Act, 15 U.S.C. 1681 GE, the business has to give that to you without a lawsuit. So it's, if you will, free discovery. I just did a video yesterday on how to do discovery. Well, this is free discovery because they legally have to give this to you. How do they reject it? The same way they can reject dispute letters if you haven't supplied them with enough information. Actually, the statute is written. I'll put it in my show notes. It says, if the business knows the person, you don't have to supply any information. But belt and suspenders, baby, right? Give them tons of information. ID, information in your credit report. I've got a letter for you. Keep in mind, I've got every letter you want that you need to do for all, and I'm pointing to my show notes again. Every letter you need to do what I'm telling you is a good way to approach these things will be included in this wonderful bundle. This is the most, this bundle of videos and papers, some of the best stuff I've given as far as content and value. Um, as I always preach in my videos, keep a paper trail registered by mail. So send out that special 1681 GE letter the same way. Registered by mail, keep a paper trail, keep all copies of the letters that are signed. Don't send out blank letters or just keep a blank letter and go, oh, I got a copy. Keep a copy of everything you sign and send. Keep a copy of the green card when it comes back. That's the registered receipt. Because you will see people say, we didn't get your letter. Well, you signed for it. Cease and desist letters under the, FC, under the FDCPA, the Fair Credit Reporting Act. You are entitled to send cease and desist letters uh, under two ways. There's two ways you can get cease and desist responses. One under 1692C, which is you sending a letter out saying, hey, you're not to call me at work. Stop. I'm not allowed to receive work calls. They are allowed, collectors are allowed to call you at work until they find out they can't. So I would do that verbally. I would do that in writing. In Again, I'll attach letters for you uh, as a template. Uh, so advise and write. But in these instances where you're receiving calls or people are making promises or you're asking for things to happen, the paper trail is you keeping a log. Keep a log. I talked to Cindy. She said, hey, we're collecting on this debt. And I said, hey, I'm at work. I can't take work calls. And then follow that up with one of my letters. And then if they continue, you've got a great case. You have a paper trail and a backing um, to get into court these days, it gets real tough and on a federal level. I'd say you've argued quite well that you have standing when you told them to stop, you wrote them to stop, and they continue to harass at work, and you may lose your job. I have clients that have lost their job. That's a lot of damages. Um, if you're This is important. If you're represented by an attorney and they're calling you for the thing you got the attorney for, don't assume that the attorney will take care of that. No. The law actually requires you tell them who my attorney is, his phone number, his address. Give them complete contact information, but then write down your log. Let your attorney know, and hopefully he'll send a letter too. They're not allowed to contact debt collectors, third parties. 
there are six exceptions to this. Usually if a court has said, go ahead and contact them, and, but it's a specific to either a judgment or uh, a post-judgment deal where they're trying to get money from you. And the, as long as the court specifically says you can contact them, they are allowed. That's a rare situation unless it's statutory. Um, meaning there's a judgment against you and they go ahead and garnish and you've told them to stop contacting you and they go ahead and garnish your employer. That technically is a third party. They're allowed to do that because the judge signed off on an execution of a judgment. But um, the only six people they're allowed to contact that are third parties, and you have to send a letter about this, the law under the FDCPA says under 1692CB, they can contact uh, consumers, unless you're represented by an attorney, your attorney, uh, a consumer reporting agency, which is means they can contact your credit, uh, the creditor, uh, the attorney of the creditor, or the attorney of the debt collector are those people that can be contacted separate from the general rule is that third parties can't be contacted when they're trying to contact you. Now, 1692B allows, and that's FDCPA, your neighbor's believe it or not, or third parties to be contacted just for location information and under very strict guidelines, meaning they cannot perform debt collection. They can't go, oh, I'm just looking to see where John Brown is because he owes a ton of money to us, square deal Dan collection. No, that's, a, that's not allowed. But they can reach out once and say, hey, your neighbor, John, does he still live next door? It's very limited and it's something that really solid debt collectors don't take the chance on doing. Uh, so you have to be wary about that if you're a debt collector. Um, the impermissible purpose letter, woohoo! That is an event that happens on your credit report. Now you're allowed, I'm gonna do this personally, you're allowed to uh, have a credit trade line on or a credit look of your credit under the following solid reasons. You actually signed and want to apply for credit. There are collection actions that's allowed to be on there assuming they have the right from the original creditor or the debt buyer. Uh, if you seek insurance, as you know, they check your credit report. That's, that, was, that came in in the 2000s too. That was just a way for insurance agencies to start charging you money if they made judgments on your numbers, your FICO numbers. Um, court order can order, yep, go look at his credit or employment. Most employment applications today have a, a section. You'll see under the FCRA, we're going to check your credit if it's for the, the dumbest reasons or a classification because you have a high skill level or a secret uh, job. They're allowed to contact your credit. And that contact comes in the form of hard inquiries, which are on your credit for two years. If something that is not permissible is on your credit, somebody saying, hey, let's take a look at making a hard inquiry, poking around and pulling your credit, you have a right to sue on that without the dispute letter that you're required to use. So dispute letters, reinvestigation, do not allow you to sue until you've given the credit reporting agency and the furnisher, which is the person that gave you the credit, 
you must give them a bite of the apple. With the impermissible purpose doctrine, doctrine, you can sue right off the bat. Do we? No. Belt and suspenders. What we do is we send our letter, and I have in this bundle the letter you need. It's set up, and you just fill in the blanks. And so you can tell the court, I'm suing these guys. I even gave them a shot. I'm not required to, but I said, just tell me why you're on that credit report. And by the way, as I've said in previous videos, I've yet to have one furnisher or company respond to those letters. But send them you should. Send them certified, return receipt requested. You're showing the court that you sent it to them. They signed for it. And they still couldn't have a good reason for poking around on your credit ball, which is actionable under the FCRA. Um, the good old validation letter. That's 1692G. And anytime someone contacts you, meaning credit collector, excuse me, a debt collector, or you don't receive any information, but a collector shows up on your credit report, that spurns a demand that the law requires. They send you your validation rights under the 1692G within five days. I always say business days, give them a hand, but it just says five days under the rules. They must supply you all your information to dispute the debt, to seek validation. That's very important. Not many courts kick someone out of um, federal court because there's no damages under 1692G because that goes to the heart of the creditor-debtor relationship. And that's still pretty hardwired to avoid uh, getting kicked out of court because you don't have standing, which is happening a lot with these cases if there's not good enough damages. Um, but seek you seek validation based upon either them sending you that letter or it shows up in your credit report. And sometimes you hadn't checked your credit report for months. They have five days to contact you on that what's called the initial contact. If they put it on your credit and the debt collector thought, well, that's not initial contact, baloney. A collector is collecting from you on your credit report with a collection account. So that is a collection attempt. And I don't recall seeing any cases that rejects that theory. They're mostly, yep, that's an effort to collect a debt. They've got five days to give you your rights, which they don't. They're doing it just for harassment. Well, that's how you can get them. Hey, I saw you're on my credit report. Please validate the debt. I'll have the letter for you. I'll have a lot of 1692G validation letters for you. They also incorporate the cease and desist uh, part of 1692G, which is 1692GB, which says, thou shalt cease and desist collection of a debt until the debt is validated, which makes perfect sense. If you're asking for validation such that you don't own, owe this debt or you're the wrong person or the wrong amount or I'm not sure what this is, for them to keep collecting makes no logical sense. It would be an exception that swallows the general rule. You can't keep collecting if there's a dispute on the debt. Again, think about what we talked about, the credit reporting agency dispute letter. It's the same sort of theory. Until it's established that the person owes the debt, they should not suffer the consequences. Under the FCRA letter, dispute letter, I said, your FICO score should rise because that bad debt should not be included while it's under dispute. And in this case, you should not be contacted by an attorney, by law, excuse me, by a debt collector, by law, 
until the debt is validated. By the way, 40 or 50% of letters that are sent out, there is no validation. And a quick tip, a validation response, they just give it back to the creditor or the debt buyer, which they will do, but a quick tip on that is they do not have a duty, a legal duty, to validate your debt. That's a, it seems illogical when you ask for that because the law says you can ask for it. They have a duty not to collect on the debt that is not validated. So by sending that letter, two things are going to happen. Three things are going to happen. Number one, they're going to do nothing. Number two, they're going to respond and it's either going to be good or bad. And number three, they're going to, well, can see number two, they're going to do it badly or they're going to keep collecting without validating. So those are your three responses. Nothing, validate or validate badly and keep collecting on you. And two of those three are actionable on your part under 1692G. Uh, if it's appearing on your credit, 1692E8, if they have not validated and they continue to report. So what, what are we doing? We're sending it return receipt requested, keep a paper trail, register by mail. So that, and this is how it works. You pull your credit report, you'll see a date of the last report and it'll say March 15th. Well, you've got them signing on March 11th that they got your letter. So why did they then go ahead and report which is a collection attempt. So they violated 1692GB. You must cease and desist from any further collection efforts until you validate. So those are juicy letters. That's a tip. It's sort of, the, again, the FCRA dispute letter tip I gave you. Uh, and incorporated in that is the cease and desist letter or aspect of that letter. I want you to keep in mind when you tell a debt collector or anyone else to cease and desist, separate from validation, you, and I have tons of cease and desist letters you can have, I'll put them right in the bundle, they have a duty to do, they must do nothing. They can't touch you other than they are allowed to send you a letter saying, we got your letter, here are our rights, but they're not allowed to try to collect again. But keep in mind, if you are shutting down communication with them, and that's your right, depending on what they're doing is so bad. For example, if they're contacting you at work, the balancing of the equities, the negative being they may sue you because they can't do anything else but communicate with you by lawsuit, because they're allowed to do that generally. Um, so you have to balance that. I'm going to do a cease and desist letter. Is it possible they will sue me? You have to balance those equities. Generally, they're probably already going to sue you anyway, and they're just doing the collection stuff prior to suing you. But just keep in mind that's a possibility. Um, we talked about third parties. You cannot, a debt collector can't contact third parties about your debt with the six people or company exception. Uh, this has been my uh, dispute validation, uh, cease and desist, impermissible purpose video. I've got a number of them. I'll include them all in the bundle. 
uh, my point in doing these is to introduce you to more and more letters and the fact one of my uh, videos talks about the changes to the 1692G letter um, which uh, the Federal Consumer Protection Bureau changed the letter and the demands and requests of the debt collector when contacting the debtor and so they have this new letter that allows you just to check something off and say I dispute this debt and here's why and then send the same letter you received back to the debt collector. I would not recommend you do that because you lose the ability if you will I don't like to talk too much because it can hurt you but you can give greater explanation than these three box checkoff boxes allow the law allowed you to seek validation in, in a much broader way I think the changes that were made in uh, November 2021 are seeking to get the debt collectors to do a better job giving you your rights and what you owe and why but this checkoff box as a means of dispute I don't because if there is a lawsuit down the road I want that letter to go look man and here's why also I want to include assignments and securitization documents in my validation request so you'll see that in my letters too that's an extra tip for you that's a belt and suspenders because we talked at the beginning of this more is more, less is less. Um, less is more, and someone could say to me, Parker, less is more, you're going on and on. But I, I try to give you so much, and I want you to give more than you're supposed to. I want you to belt and suspend this. For example, that impermissible purpose letter. You're not required to send that letter. Send it out. It gives you credibility, much the same way the police report and ID affidavit you must attach to your dispute letters when there's an ID theft uh, accusation that you're seeking uh, more investigation of your credit report. All right, so I am giving you too much more. I'm losing your interest, but I hope you can see I'm coming from a good place. I want to give you more than you're asking for, and I hope there's tons of stuff here, because there will be, and that you can use it, and again, I love doing this for you and giving you more than you ask for. I love giving you more. Thank you very much today.